Alright, just recorded episode number one with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mikey Rocco. All the way in Maryland, the Baltimore area, uh, but we're both originally from New England, Providence, Rhode Island, and lifelong Patriots fans. Uh, the show is not... We're going to do a weekly show about football. Uh, we're going to mix in probably some fantasy football in there too. The uh, the show will not be all Patriots. This one was a little Patriots heavy just because we hadn't talked about the Patriots much uh, between the two of us. And we wanted to get some opinions out there as to what we think is going to happen. Uh, but there's a lot of more, a lot more uh, content in there about the rest of the league too. So hope you enjoy it and um, hope you check it out. Vincenzo. Mikey Rocco, can you hear me? I sure can. Welcome to the first installment, buddy. Of Thank this, you. This, whatever, whatever we're calling this, we will have to determine a name later, but it's, it's going to be a podcast. It's going to be a little, little football podcast about the real NFL. What do you think? I'm all in. I like these short answers. Very concise. I'm, I like it. It makes for a bad podcast, but if people want a quick one, they'll have it. <laughs> okay, so we decided to do this show. Uh, we're going to do this. We're going to do as much of this as we can throughout the season weekly before the games come on. Um, I don't see a reason why we can't do it every week, but you never know. But we're going to try to stick to it. So uh, the the idea that we kind of came up with was I got a bunch of questions for you, Mikey Rocco. Uh, let me just briefly introduce you. Long time, long time New Englander, long time Patriots fan, uh, studier of all things New England Patriots, among other sports. But for this purpose, we're going with the Patriots. You've you've been there through thick and thin. Uh, it's not a bandwagon deal. You were there back in the old days, before before Brady. That would be correct, That's right? right. I am a lifer. I have sat on the cold steel bleaches of Foxborough Stadium. So I know what it's like to live the life of a Cleveland Brown or a Detroit Lion or a Jacksonville Jaguar because that is pretty much what the Patriots were until God found us and touched us. What is your – and this is not one of the questions, but what is, what is your earliest memory of the Patriots? My earliest memory of the Patriots growing up in Providence, Rhode Island, is having this constituency of Italians that decided to claim Dan Marino as the football <laughs> session of choice. And this, you know, this goes along with the Italians that also wanted to ignore the Red Sox, just attach themselves to the Yankees. So it's it's really kind of as the kickball victim of a really dominant athlete in the AFC East. So I can remember, you know, kids going to grade school with Dan Marino jerseys on. And, yeah, you know, I, I mean, you know, I'd be like seven, eight years old. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing with Miami gear? It's 30 degrees outside and it's March. And, you know, oh, Dan Marino, blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, took an interest in football because I'm like, who's Dan Marino? And once I realized, like, he was the foe of the Patriots, I was like, oh, that, I mean, 
I hope the Patriots beat them. So uh, I guess the Patriots, um, you know, kind of drew me in because it's it's the David and Goliath battle, you know. So we've kind of seen a couple different tours of duty come through, and uh, we've had the Dolphins dominate, you know, the Patriots in the 80s, and then uh, the Bills dominate the Patriots in the 90s. And, you know, it's kind of flipped. So it's amazing to kind of be on the other side of that equation. But, yeah, I mean, it's just being a grade school kid and, and you know, parents pushing their values on their children and, and deciding to love the Patriots because they were the local team. And I wanted them to kill Dan Marino, which they they didn't do it often, but they've got a, they left a few marks. So I think it's appropriate that your earliest memory of the Patriots is – Dan Marino, in other words, not a patriot. Um, I think that's that's where we all were pre uh, pre Brady, pre pre Parcells, really mm-hmm. pre Bledsoe, pre Bob Kraft. Uh, so, well, cool, man. Uh, great. I think we set the stage here. You are you are embedded. Probably in not. I'll play along. Probably not, but that's fine. <laughs> Well, sure we have. Like, like yeah, all you're... great stories pieces of entertainment, we ask the audience to just concede certain details yeah. to accept well, look, what, the holes in the story. What What would you? I mean, why would you not be as much of an expert as any of the idiots on television? In a lot. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna pat myself on the back here, and I don't think I share this with you, but I did turn down an opportunity to write for the USA Today Patriots blog. Apparently that was something that they developed in March. And I had been interviewed by one key person, and they had seen some of my writing, and I had a chance to talk to them. And they were looking for people to create content every day about the Patriots. And I was like, sure, I can write a piece every day. I got enough creativity. But uh, then I got a, a, a different job, and I was like, well, do I really want to spend an hour and a half of my day writing about Patriots stuff? Because it gets a little long in the tooth sometimes. But I, I was able to pass their test, and uh, that was kind of cool. I think they kind of validated a little bit of my opinion. But if you don't like my opinion, you know, that's fine. Um, just just know that I'm smarter than most people and uh, better than most people. So I'm smarter and better than, than you. Smarter, than, the smarter and better than everybody. <laughs> I'm the smartest I, person you've I, ever met, and I'm better than everybody. I would also add that you are more than uh, – you're more intelligent than any radio host in the local New England area. Can I, I give mean, you I'm that? Not, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously joking. I don't believe all of that. but you Yeah, know, uh, we know that. I'm kind of happy that I, I'll flirt with journalism from time to time, but for the most part, it's – to see where journalism has fallen today, you know, I, I think podcasts are better than any written blog. So, but anyways, I, I, enough about me. Let's dig into the meat and potatoes here. So, what do, what do we want to talk about? There's so much to talk about. We're a day away from opening night. We are. Off. We are. And I have a bunch of questions here that I've formulated just just for this pre um, preseason, the final day before the season starts, uh, to ask you. And, and and I have a your ton of one. I have a ton of one-word answers. Go ahead. Well, not if they're open-ended questions. So, okay. um, yeah, some of them aren't. But okay, we're gonna start with a couple about the Patriots. That's why I was leading with the Patriots. Question one, Mike: Who will fill 
the void that Julian Edelman has left? Nobody. Nobody. I, look, pretty obvious that, you know, Tom Brady and Julian Edelman have this, like, Bluetooth connection, and nobody else on the roster is going to fill that. Certainly there are players that have been there long enough that have enough continuity within the offense or have enough chemistry with, you know, Brady to change and adjust at the line of scrimmage in, in critical moments, but they lost something. Their offense is not going to be the same. Uh, I think the question going into the season, because it's, you know, a fantasy laden question is what is Brandon Cook's going to do to the offense? Well, they're, they're lucky that they went out and loaded up in that part of the team because their wide receiver core uh, was kind of aging fast. So, you know, they had depth there, and I think, you know, nobody's going to replace Julian Edelman. What it requires is that the Patriots are going to have to get a lot better at other things to make up for that offensively, and I think they're going to have to, at the beginning of the year, make some progress with some real deep throws to open up the field and get the, the deep threat of Hogan and Cooks to kind of open up the middle of the field for the other intermediate pass catchers, so... I, I, there's no replacement. They just they just have to make the adjustment. And the good news is they have a ton of talent. They will make the adjustments. Got it. Well, good, solid first answer. I'm going to ask you a deeper question right now. I don't know if you're ready for this one, but I'm coming with it early because okay. I want to I want to reward the many many listeners um, to this point. So I'm going to hit you with it. Is this is this Tom Brady's final season? No, I think it's pretty realistic that he's, you know, beating father time. And obviously, you know, time loses to no man. But let's say worst case scenario, what's the worst thing that could happen to Brady this year? He blows out his knee against the Chiefs in the first game. Ha, ha, ha. So if that were to happen... Tom Brady would obviously rehab, and I think he'd try to come back the next year. Obviously, uh, what happens in his absence would dictate where he plays, but I can't imagine Brady hanging it up due to an injury, and I certainly don't see him hanging it up if he performs exceptionally. I think Brady is locked and loaded, although he'll never admit it, on the record books and I think he will endure and threaten some of these loftier statistical thresholds that people thought the Brett Favre's and the Mannings had locked down but I think Brady may have the last laugh and and play you know three more quality years before that one ligament decides to pop or that one death blow occurs so Worst case scenario, you know, he, he blows out his knee early in the season and Garoppolo takes his place and is somewhat effective and Brady decides to rehab it, make himself available, and, you know, something happens. But I, I can't see him giving up. So this will not be his last year either way, injury or success. I'm glad you brought up Garoppolo because where where are we right now with Jimmy Garoppolo – by the end of the season, since he's not under contract past this season, they were unsuccessful. Or if you want to believe the Patriots, they weren't, they didn't want to trade him uh, for anything uh, according to them. Um, So after this season ends, Brady is still under contract. 
Garoppolo is is not technically. Do you see them? Do you see him staying? Do you see him signing any sort of uh, extension or new contract, even a one year deal, um, or any? Where do you see that situation landing? Yeah, I think what makes the Patriots unique in every way on the field, off the field, is they always do something that nobody else in their right mind would ever do. So when you see them do those things and you look back at at it, you realize that they are not victims to tradition or conventional norms. So I think what they are planning to do is they've got a, a, you know, they've basically got a contingency plan. And the contingency plan is really based off of Brady's health and performance. So, you know, Again, best case scenario for the Patriots, uh, Tom Brady uh, goes another year, takes him to the Super Bowl, wins it all, and then they have a tough decision to make. Uh, you know, worst scenario for Patriots might actually be the same thing. So the trick of it, trick of it is what do you do <clears throat> because uh, the chances of them going to the Super Bowl and winning it all are, are pretty darn good. I think the Patriots will – pay a premium to keep Garoppolo on their roster one more year beyond this year. And then you start running into some of the Belichickian theories of personnel and player management. Belichick has time and time again proven to make the best and hardest decisions. And those best and hardest decisions are to sell high and buy low. And when you look at the players that Belichick has passed on or given up on that were not necessarily done uh, and and still had the pedigree of their their career's level of uh, play uh, there on the field, you know, you think of Richard Seymour, Randy Moss, Wes Welker. I mean, he has let these players walk or has moved them at a point in their career where they were very much still effective, but based on father time and, and normal, you know, athlete, you know, athletic fall off, <laughs> they were primed and ready for that. I mean, next year, you know, they're right there. So uh, I, I don't think Brady is above anything that the, the you know, the Patriots um, have done in the past. I, I think if they really do feel like Garoppolo has progressed, I think they'll eat one year paying literally 30 plus million dollars on the cap to have both of them because you're, you're kind of almost hoping for something normal to happen with Brady to clarify what to do. Uh, but I do believe that after 2018, I think the Patriots would be in a tough spot, and I think they would do what they always do, which is trade Brady away to, to the highest bidder. And, and you know, who it would be, who knows. The benefit, there are plenty of benefits. Uh, but, I mean, we see this all the time, you know, in every sport, it's 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 no one is expected to finish on the, the same roster. The the Derek Jeters are not the norm. You know, the Paul Pierce is the norm. And you see, Paul Pierce comes back, signs a one day contract, he retires as a Celtic, and at the end of the day, nobody really cares or remembers the trade because A, it helped the Celtics, and B, they're going to retire his number, and he's going to be the king of Boston again. He just won't be the king on the court. He'll be the king off the court. But I see the same fate uh, unfolding for Pierce. And the reason why – I'm sorry, for Brady. And the reason why I think that will inevitably be the case is because you just you just can't build a franchise around a player that's going that deep into their 40s 
and you cannot give up the rarest of commodities, which is a real quarterback prospect. So. Okay, so much for the concise short answers. Um, <laughs> yeah, you asked for it, buddy. You got you it. Had a lot to say about Garoppolo. All right, well, okay, who – We'll get off the Patriots here. So, who's who's the next best team in the AFC? After the I Patriots? think it's the Steelers. Why? They're a proven commodity. You know, as much as I dislike Mike Tomlin, he he has consistently been competitive in a division where, you know, the number one or number two threat to their position in that division has come and gone. You know, so the Bengals look like a real threat. They've kind of regressed. The Ravens were a real threat. They've completely regressed. And the Steelers are that are that consistent, you know, threat. They they Roethlisberger is the best quarterback in the division. He has been, he is, and he, he may still be going into this, this season. They constantly nail the skill group uh tools and really their biggest problem has been they haven't been able to really solidify their defense, but when you consider that you know, Watt as a rookie has now been thrust into the starting lineup. There's a lot of positive mojo coming out of preseason about his abilities already. And then they fell into Joe Hayden and say what you want about Joe Hayden, whether he's got it or not, you know, and they had to change the talent there last year. They drafted three DBs and I don't think a single one of them made it out of camp healthy. So I think, you know, it's obvious what they're missing is some depth in their secondary and, and some, you know, youth in their pass rush. But the offense is great, you know. So I, I think even when injuries impact them, they still find a way to win. So I like the Steelers to, to be that team. How about in the NFC? In the NFC, the, the best team in the NFC, I, I mm-hmm. do like the Packers. I feel like, again, you know, they've, this is an offensive league, you know, and I don't – it's very rare for, for teams to have, you know, a pro bowler on every level of the defense. We haven't seen that since, I guess, Carolina or Denver. So usually one or two teams has that kind of thing. They don't have that, but I do think that they have an incredibly unique home field advantage. I think it's a meaningful one. Uh, although they've had their struggles in the postseason, I do think that their coaching staff under their roster and how to use it. You know, their division is interesting because they too seem to have rotating threats, but at the end of the day, you know, are you really all in on the Lions or the Vikings? It's you know, those those rosters have a lot of question marks. So I, I like the Packers a lot because again, the quarterback, that the offensive capabilities, and they're just good enough on defense to you know to really compete. Uh, make a choice on this one. You don't have to explain it. Just, are you buying? Or are you selling the Atlanta Falcons? Oh, I'm selling. Yeah, I'm selling. Yes. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> uh, look, they've been um, plucked. Yeah. They've been plucked, you know. And look at the ta- – you know, they had a little bit of a brain drain. Their offensive coordinator has flown the coop. And no one knows what to expect in terms of differences from year over year. Uh, uh-huh. But, I mean, look, they are responsible for the biggest choke job in NFL history. And because True. the NFL is number one in the country, and because the Super Bowl is the biggest event sporting-wise in the country, 
you could argue, even though it's not as meaningful as some other upsets, you know, historical perspective, uh, it might be considered by a lot of people the greatest joke job in all of American sports. And oh, I would granted, agree that it's there's the a little bit of recency theory there. But, yeah, I mean, how do you rebound from that? And, you know, honestly, like every time you take the field <laughs> – you're going to hear it, you know. And, yeah, uh, it was a huge collapse, huge, huge collapse. Um, they, I think they might get away with it not being the biggest choke job only because it's the Patriots that did it to them and the Patriots, it's Brady and Belichick. And, uh, you know, some people might point more to the, like, say, the Buffalo Bills against the Oilers in the playoffs. But as far as actual size of the lead and all this stuff, but – you know, it, in the Super Bowl, it's the biggest. It's without question, it's one of the worst of all time. It's so okay. You're selling. You're selling the Falcons. I would say I'm also selling the Falcons. I, I'm selling them to the point where I don't. I don't think they. There's a good chance they may miss the playoffs. In all, if honesty, I had to choose, in my mind. I think the I think the Falcons go seven and nine, and I think <laughs> I think Matt I think Matt Ryan takes an enormous step back. Jones plays ten games. And their defense, you know, I think people implement the same tactic they saw the Patriots implement. And their challenge is to evolve and stop uh, an offense that just chips away at you and tries to run double the plays that your offense runs, you know? So yeah. that's, that's what well, I see. Yeah, so yeah. They, they, whatever, they're going to be all, they're, they're a non-factor. Um, all right, so uh, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, or someone else that I don't know about somehow uh, on that list. I, I think those are the top four of the rookie running backs who will have the best season statistically, in your opinion. Yeah, none of those guys. I, I think Christian McCaffrey is the guy. I think I think the Panthers' offense is begging for speed. You know, you think got, he statistically I, has a better season than the, than any of the other guys who are starters? Yeah, absolutely. I look okay. at this point. First of all, I base it off of the fit, you know, and I, I think the Panthers, you know, they, they had a brutal year, right? They kind of had a 180, right? They went 15-1 in the regular season, got beat, beat, you know, pretty bad defensively in the Super Bowl. Then it just kind of collapsed, you know, and they had injuries last year, and it was it was kind of a nightmare year, almost what we're predicting for the Falcons to happen this year. But mm-hmm. I think the talent is legit, and I, I, I think the principles of Carolina's ways to win are, are sound. I just think they didn't, they didn't keep the talent level on the offensive side up to par. And, you know, now that Cam is starting to show the wear and tear of being a physical quarterback, you know, I do believe they, they were overdue to invest in their backfield, you know. So Christian McCaffrey offers a dual threat, great speed, and it comes at the perfect time because they've got a 30-year-old. You know, James Stewart feels like he's been around forever. Still effective, but, you know, they, they just needed speed. And, you know, they will open everything up with that underneath speed and a, a nice running play here and there, some thunder and lightning. Uh, it will really open things up, I think, for the rest of their pass-catching offense. You know, and, and they, they, there is nobody on that roster competing with him except for time and judgment. You know, how comfortable they feel putting him in into a game plan where he's handling, you know, 60, 70% of the offensive snaps from that position. 
he's going to be transitioned into that role slowly. Or I think, you know, like we predict with any aging NFL player, James Stewart, you know, starts to break down midseason. So everywhere else you mentioned, there's another guy. And in some of those uh, scenarios, there's, you know, money involved too. So, you know, Mixon is competing with Hill and Bernard. You know, and and those are those are players. Well, that have, you know, uh, I mean, Hill, Hill is hurt. Bernard is the third down back. Mixon's the starter. Yeah, Fournette, Fournette is the starter. Fournette, yeah, I'm telling you, I see. Him. He's Fournette hurt though, is but with he's Ivory hurt. And, you know, so I mean, these, you know, I just, I and and here's here's the most important part. But they also I, I think the Panthers. I, I think the Panthers have the most talent around McCaffrey. I, I think some of those other guys, you know, they're on some bad squads. So that's okay. that's where yeah, I'm that's, coming. That's I think fair. McCaffrey that's, that's is the offensive player of the that's rookie pick? offensive player of the year, right? Or that's it, your rookie pick? of the year, rookie of the year. That's what it's sure. Called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are the Browns finally on the right track? Yes or no? And explain why you believe that way. No, they're not. They're a headless monster. You know, they're building up all these picks, and you know the assumption is their talent level is is growing, but until they have a meaningful talent or play at the quarterback spot, it's just, it's not going to go very far. And and I think Hugh Jackson is an overrated idiot. And you can see some of the clues, you know, to the, to the reality that they're still not where they need to be, you know, like front office wise, they're collecting all these picks. And, and people, they're almost like resting their laurels on potential. You know, oh, we keep moving these players and collecting these picks. And you can never have enough picks. And, you know, the assumption is, you know, if you have double the draft picks as the teams around you, you have double the chance of improving your roster. And that's true. But, you know, they're still doing stupid things like the Osweiler acquisition where they, where they quote, unquote, you know, acquired Osweiler and essentially paid $16 million for a second round pick. That's just the, that just makes no sense whatsoever. They could have used that money for a million other things or 16 million other things. So (laughs) uh, I think, I think the Browns are still a, you know, hopeless joke and, you know, they're going to go, you know, three and 13 or four and 12 again. And it'll be the same conversation, you know? And I mean, honestly, then, you know, they're going to, they're going to start Deshaun. Kaiser, is that his name? I forget. Yes. Um, yes. You know, uh, look, I'm not a college football fan. I know of him. Um, you know, whenever you start a rookie quarterback, I mean, you know, they better be pretty dynamic. Cam Newton stepped on the field and, you know, chucked the ball around for 4,500 yards. You know, he was a Heisman quality athlete who, you know, premiered you know, at a, a meaningful program and did some things in college. You know, Kaiser – you know, obviously some of the things seem to be there, but uh, it just it just makes no sense to me. I, I think I think they're quietly in tank mode. Name association, right? I'm gonna throw a, a word out there, and I want you to come back with a word of your own. Ready? You mean a? Does it have to be a real word, or I make up a new word like you know? Whatever Google you want to do. Exist. I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just word association, na- name association. So I'll just say it, and you say the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Cowboys. Super Bowl. Whoa. Okay. Broncos. Uh, past, past their prime. 
<laughs> I thought you were passing on that term. <laughs> but you're like, no, pass. No um, comment. It's a saucy <laughs> subject. That's their prime for sure. Yeah. I'm going diva on you. Next, <laughs> Next question. Next question. Dolphins. Average. Colts. Pathetic. Pathetic. Yes, that's I like that. Nathan Peterman. Dad, I really have nothing to say about him. Yes. <laughs> the, I was going for the answer of who, but yeah. that will suffice also. Um, yeah. Adrian Peterson. Mm, retirement. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, Super Bowl. <laughs> Carson Palmer. Over the hill. In your opinion, whose head coaching seat is the warmest as we go into the season? Meaning, mm-hmm. who will be the first to be fired? The first head coach to be fired this year. Ooh. That's tough, man. It is. You know, the, I mean, a lot of them. Were, there's so many. A lot of them just kind of flip. You know, I mean, when one third yeah, of the league turns over and one third of the league went to the playoffs, it's it, it, it sure. kind of. It, and the rest of the third had turned over the prior year. You know, there's a lot of coaches in their honeymoon phase, so to like get that doesn't mean that guys aren't going to get run in the first 12 months of employment. You know, we've seen that a few times yep. already. Yep. Um, sometimes to the same person. Yep. I'm looking at you, Chip Kelly. But um, honestly, I'd have to say Jim Caldwell. You know, I mean, the Lions have come close, Good one. but they can't, they can't get over the hill. And I think Stafford is, is a great quarterback. I really do believe that. And, you know, they have invested in talent. They, you know, Eric Ebron is a big pick. That hasn't worked out. They've signed, you know, uh, some really good free agent receivers. I, I've, you know, I feel like that, that guy's got a lot of talent. I feel like if you gave Bill Belichick that roster, somehow, some way, they'd be 12-4. and four, They'd win their division and kick <laughs> some ass in the playoffs, you know. With Jim Caldwell, they could – they start off 4-0, and then they go 0-4, then they win two, lose. I mean, it's torture for Detroit Lions fans. So yeah. he's been there for, what, three or four years? So you Maybe, know, sure. Kind of, yeah, it's, 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 it's crap or get off the pot time for him. So I say Jim Caldwell. Bonus rhetorical question. <laughs> will, he, will his face change when they fire him? No, not and at all. A, no, he, is a, that, he is one that's, stoic yeah, dude. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um yeah. All right, man. Last one, Super Bowl prediction. Going into the season, Super Bowl prediction, the two teams, and th- not a score because that's, that's silly, but um, Super Bowl teams I'll and give then you the a champion. score. I've got opinions on that. I'll give you a score. Uh, I just hate doing the score. I think it's goofy, but go ahead. I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. So, so well, you're Super the Bowl, I believe it will be the New England Patriots against the Dallas Cowboys, and the Patriots will win their sixth Super Bowl with the score of sixty nine to three. <laughs> See, I thought you were gonna say seventy two to three and then they win by sixty nine points. But you're saying they're gonna score sixty nine. Mm-hmm. Yep, Carapp- huh. Garoppolo's in by the middle of the third. So if to score sixty nine points, 
That means the they're MVP, looking at the MVP is Malcolm Butler. He returns five pick sixes. So nine touchdowns and two field goals. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, wait, no, no, wait, no. Not nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns and yeah, and two field goals. That's that's right. Yeah, it's, well, okay. it's the Patriots. I think you're dismissing the two point conversions that I have them really opening the playbook on. So, well, I'm just trying to figure out the math. I mean, if if they're doing eight points, that, yeah, then that's you're talking about. Uh, Nobody wants to do the math. Nobody wants math. You should know by eight now. touchdowns. Our, our country's eight, STEM eight education touchdowns. is dive bombing. The skills like math eight, and critical eight, thinking are on the outs. If you want people to listen to this podcast, you need to stop doing math right now. I don't care about that. I'm not worried about people listening to it. It's just yeah, I just want to from me and you. Right. So eight touchdowns, a field goal, and it won't be by Guskowski, right? It'll be like some someone goofy that they run out there just, to, just because I, I they think, can. I think plus a safety. It'll be. I think it'll be Bill Belichick's final game, and what they'll do is they'll deactivate a, a lowly player and quietly activate Bill Belichick, and he will come out on the field <laughs> for the final series, and he will attempt to kick a free point if they're near the red zone. I, I also and, would predict I also would predict that, that Julian Edelman is healthy enough to be active and dressed, and they run him out there on like a sneak play where the guy just steps over the edge of the out-of-bounds, and the other team doesn't know the guy's there, and they just they throw it to him. Remember that kick that Vinatieri did where they did that, where they yeah. threw it to Troy Brown. They're gonna do that yeah, play except the Rams. Edelman. That's it. That's my call. Hmm. Yeah, I don't see Edelman coming back, but I I do see Belichick forcing himself into the history books by by gotcha. coming out on the field and being the oldest player ever to register a point in the Super Bowl. Gotcha. So Edelman coming back is, is way, way out of the question, but Bill Belichick um, scoring in the Super Bowl is, is legit. Got it. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of the type of stuff I wanted to, I wanted to hear from you in this, in this initial um, show. So, yeah. Cool, Wait, man. I well, have a question for a, you. A, a, anything else? Oh, okay. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. I, I have a question for you. Rob Gronkowski, will he do more or less than he did last year? In terms of on the football field? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I th- I think he does more. I, th- I think he's healthy and he does more. Um, and they, they utilize him and he runs a rough shot over the league. Yeah, I, I got to believe that they use him for less plays per game. But when he's on the field, because they have more depth on offense from like a pass catcher perspective, he's going to put up better offensive numbers. So I, I do feel like the blessing behind the Edelman injury is it, it really does force the coaching staff to acknowledge that you know, these guys aren't 24. And if you're planning on playing 19 games, you know, you've got to be realistic with, with individual player management. And to know that when you picture Gronk, you picture an arm, you know, an arm sleeve uh, brace thing that nobody else in the league wears, and then a big knee brace, you know, and then, you know, multiple back surgeries. 
granted they won the Super Bowl without him, I'd rather not go to the Super Bowl without him. I'd rather have him healthy. So I, I think that he'll he'll be more effective, but I'll bet you they start using him differently. I'll bet you the Edelman injury kind of gets into the coaching, the coaching uh, their philosophies and and kind of like when that behind the scenes video of Bill Belichick a week after they lost Wes Welker you know, on the field to the Texans before that horrible home Ravens playoff loss. You see the regret in their eyes, like, oh, I I know I'm supposed to play everybody and keep them all equal, but they're not equal. There's guys that really matter. So I need to to be honest about that. So what I'm curious about is if that bleeds into the quarterback uh, part of things. And, you know, if if they get into some games where they walk into the fourth quarter, you know, and they have like a, a four touchdown lead. You know, do they put Garoppolo in there a little earlier than they have in the past? Because you know, you don't know what happens to Brady throughout the year. You see, you see the hits. You know, and same thing for him. You know, like you know, he he missed four games last year. He looked real fresh yeah. in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, so how fresh is he going to be if they were to go to the Super Bowl after a you know first place schedule and, and the grind? So. I'll be really eager to see how they manage the rosters and the individual player help. But I think Gronk is going to have an, a, a pretty big year in the end, in the end zone. I I agree. I agree. Well, good, uh, good initial show here. That's your opinion. We're, uh, you're going to pat ourselves on the back. And, That's your um, opinion. It is. It is. And, from there, we'll uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow night. The uh, fully expect with a whole off season to prepare for the Chiefs coming into Gillette Stadium. That the Patriots will kind of destroy them. Um, that the game probably won't end up being close. It may be a little closer in the first half than it ends up being at the end. But um, I, I don't I don't see the Chiefs going into Foxborough and beating them on the first opening night of the season. No, I think so, I think it's a tale of two cities. You know, I mean, the the Chiefs were that pile of dirt that the media were trying to shovel on the Patriots' aging body in 2014, right? Pats go in there one and one, Monday Night Football, and they just get ripped in half right from the jump. And the dialogue the following week is, "Wow, that's it. The Pats are done. Brady's old." Oh no! Don't for, yeah, gone. don't forget. No, they were they were they were one and two, and they lost that game to put them at one and three. And then and then they came back. And... I'm gonna say no. This is where I trump you. They were one and two, and they were coming home to play the Bengals. And the Bengals, I think, had a three and one record. And then they tuned up the Bengals, and then they were two and two. And everybody felt better about it. And then they went on a win streak. But the issue was they hadn't okay. been like they hadn't been one and two in I want to say right. the entirety of the Brady Belichick era. So. Well, they hadn't been beaten like that. The only reason why I'm so positive about that is because knowing this town and the national media, if the Patriots ever got to one in three, there'd be like a national holiday in all other states to celebrate the downfall of the Patriots. But Well, look, you're the expert. You remember I, more than I do. I do. I do. I'm telling you. And if I'm wrong, you know, I'll pay you. But, look, they're <laughs> – they're gonna go on the road, right? I mean, if you're Andy Reid, what's your what's your locker room speech? All right, guys, I didn't make the schedule. We got to play whoever they put in front of us. This is our chance 
to show the country that this is a different year. This is a new Chiefs team. So we're going to go out there and try hard. I mean, they're walking into an absolute buzzsaw. You know, it's, and, and the worst part is they can't even use the tape from last year, right? It's like Cooks is now going to be on the field for every offensive play. Adelman's mm-hmm. gone, and they've got, like, seven new running backs. Good luck figuring <laughs> that out. You know, so I think it's, it's all about the offensive line and keeping Brady clean. Uh, you know, he'll get knocked around a little bit because the Chiefs are going to apply pressure. They're going to blitz. But at the end of the day, you know, there's no way Alex Smith in this Chiefs offense is going to put up 28 points on the road on the East Coast on a Thursday night game against, you know, a, a championship campaign, raising a banner and all that. So I'd say it's, this is going to be a classic, yep, those are the champs type game, you know, Pats 31, Chiefs 16, and I mean – they're going to have those 31 points before the end of the third quarter. Like, it's going to be obvious, the outcome. I agree. I agree. Well, cool, man. Well, that's. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. I enjoyed this, this. this first week. I had a lot of fun. Thank well, you for inviting me. We're going to, we're gonna, like I said, we're going to do this weekly. And um, so I don't know if we'll record it every every week on the same night, but uh, but certainly we'll we'll record it. We don't even and, have to record it. it out. You can just call me, and we can call the conversation a podcast, and I'll just play it. <laughs> so don't you worry. Well, well, now that it's now that it's like going to be a, a podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it now, um, we may as well keep it up. May as well put it on the record. I look forward. It'll get to more it. interesting. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you're the special guest all year, bro. I'll, uh, I'm not nearly we'll... as conceited as they pretend to be. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk next week. All right. And I just want to say to all the listeners, <laughs> thank you so much for your loyalty and patronage. Yeah. So, that's it.